We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're rolling into a brand new week. Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Hope everybody has stayed warm out there with this uh, crazy winter weather going through pretty much the entire Midwest, I guess, at this point. Vince was supposed to be here today. He and his son Dylan were down in Florida for a kicking camp over the weekend. They were supposed to fly back yesterday. Flight got canceled, so they're flying back today. So I've got the one. The only Tom Noy here to talk a little Notre Dame basketball tonight. How are you tonight, Tom? Are, are we believing that story about Dario that the flight got canceled? He's you know, it's always something, isn't it? <laughs> he's in Florida and he's going to come back to 35 degree below wind chill. I think That's he's staying in Florida just conveniently. The flight got canceled. Exactly. Exactly. I, you know, I, I'd like to see some proof, you know, like of, of exactly where he is. I don't know. If we'll I, I texted it, him. But. It's funny because I texted him on Thursday because my daughter and his son both go to Penn High School and it, there were all kinds of closings going on Thursday night. And I said, what are the chances that Penn High School winds up closing on Friday? Because we don't know if there's going to be school. We don't know this. I texted Vince and he goes, I don't care. I'm on, I'm on, the, I'm en route to uh, Panama City, Florida or whatever, <laughs> wherever he was. He goes, it was Panama City. Way. I'm going to kicking camp all weekend. I don't care what the weather's like back there. So, yeah, he conveniently had his flight canceled. Sure. That's what it is. All right. So, Jesse's going to be along later to do some rapid fire. We've got uh, some Notre Dame football talk. And, and yes, yeah, I mean, you, I don't know if you can see all these comments, Tom. I they, uh, they started to roll in. They, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Talk. <laughs> Tommy Guns, Mexican word of the day, the last, as in yesterday was the last game of the season for the Cowboys. Yes. The the Buffalo Bill or the Pittsburgh Steelers are, are currently doing their Buffalo their their Dallas Cowboys imitation right now. At least they were expected to lose, though. Right. Unlike- Although they did, it, it looked like the Bills were going to score again before halftime, but it's 21 7 now. Right. Just now. Right. Look, yeah, Dallas right Cowboys. One of those days, one of those days, end of the season. You know. And my first thought while I was watching that was steer clear of Styers today because he's not going to be happy. <laughs> yeah. And then you got the text from me this morning. Yeah, okay, yeah sure. I'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so Tom, as we speak, there's actually a men's basketball game tonight. They're at Boston College out in Chestnut Hill tonight. Um, but Micah Shrewsbury, that'll be game number 18. He's 17 games into his uh, Notre Dame tenure now at this point. So how would you describe what you've seen from this first Shrewsbury team so far? Never a dull moment. Like there are people that have been texting me and saying, I bet you're tired of watching this team. You're tired of watching them lose. You're tired of, of knowing that they're not going to play well enough to win. But honestly, in my 26th year on the Notre Dame men's basketball beat, there have not been any more fascinating seasons just from a personnel standpoint and from a growth standpoint and a teaching standpoint than this one. Because every game you go in, you're thinking, okay, I don't know if they're going to have enough firepower to win this game. But it's fascinating to see how Micah Shrewsbury, like a mad scientist, can kind of try just try and put all the pieces together in this puzzle to make it look like a competitive basketball game. And I think the one aspect that I'm most impressed with Micah Shrewsbury now 17 games in is he knows they're so undermanned. Like they have no business playing Auburn in Barclays Center. They have no business going to South Carolina or playing at Marquette, or really playing Georgetown, even though that was a home game. He knows that. The staff knows that. The players, I think, are starting to understand that. But he's like, look, this is the hand we're dealt, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to compete for 40 minutes and see where we are at the, at the end of the game. Sometimes that, that results in a win, like last week at Georgia Tech when they broke a 13-game ACC win streak. Sometimes it's, it's obvious, like the North Carolina State game, the Duke game, Saturday's game against Florida State, that they're good enough to compete, but they're just not good enough to get over the hump when they need to be. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He had the the rant that I guess has become famous. You know, it went viral first, and now like every broadcast that we've seen since then, they've included clips of of the rant. You know, after the loss 
to the Citadel at home. That's been what, just about a month or so ago now yep. at this point. But you know, it, he talked about, Hey, I'll help you transfer. If you're going to, if you're not going to go out there and play hard and do those things, play, you know, play to his standard. I guess my first question is you had a front row seat to that ramp. What, like in the moment, what were you thinking as you were hearing those things that Micah Shrewsbury was saying? Even before I, before he said anything, I knew something was coming because I think it was, I want to say, I know it was J.R. Knezny, but I think maybe it was J.R. and Julian Roper or whoever the second guy was, Tay Davis, whoever the second guy was sitting at the podium uh, post game as they do their post game at Notre Dame for men's basketball. They're up there sitting there and Micah Shrewsbury walks into the room and stands against the side of the wall. And you can just tell the look on his face that this thing was going to go nuclear. I mean, you can just tell. He has said from the beginning, even before he coached the game, I freaking hate losing. I can't stand it. Nobody wants to be around me when I lose. I'm a sore loser. And he has even said after a game, I forget what game it was, uh, the North Carolina State game, after the post game there, he ran into Kevin Keats in the hallway and he apologized for, for how he acted or reacted after the game and said, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry I was such a jerk. I, I just hate to lose. So you knew after the Citadel that he was going to go off on his team, and rightfully so, because it's not the fact that they lost to the Citadel at home or they lost by 20 points. It was just that the fact that they didn't compete. And, that, again, that's the one thing that we talk about with Micah Shrewsbury. It's okay if you lose a game, but it's not okay to go out there and kind of float through the yeah. way they floated through that second half and go through the motions. And when the shot's not going, then they're not hustling back on defense and they're not boxing out and they're not guarding their guys. So like he, he lit them up in the press conference. But the one thing about Micah, and he's been clear about this is I'm, I may light a guy up in, in post game in front of the media, but it's not anything that I didn't say to them before I said it to you guys. Right. So that's the way he was in the locker room. And it was just something where I think just like the, just like the, the, the blowout loss to Marquette in early December, where they were down 17, nothing. And it looked like they weren't going to score a basket, not after the first media time timeout, but the second media timeout, like they needed to experience that to see what this program can become. Like, can it get to the level of Marquette one of these days like it was under Mike Bray? So they needed that game, but they also needed the Citadel to say, whatever we're doing, however we feel like we're coming together as a team, it's not working. And, and we have to be closer. We have to be more connected. We have to care, I think, more about what we are and where we are. It was funny because in the column afterward, I wrote, I said, this team doesn't need to practice. It doesn't need to watch film. What this Notre Dame men's basketball team, the way it's currently constructed right now, is to go back in the history books, go back in the in the media guide, and look at guys like Ben Hansborough and Matt Carroll and Tory Jackson and Luke Herringote and get a sense of what this program was before they walked in the door last summer and was like, hey, you know, it's they're they're all wearing hi. My name is Tags because they never really met each other. Like, get an understanding of, of the pride and the and the success this program had before they moved forward. And it was funny. Two days, three days afterward, Micah Shrewsbury said, "Yeah, we did, really didn't talk X and O's. We talked about the history of this program and where this program was in the 2000s and 2010s and guys like Pat Connaughton and Bonzi Colson. So I think they really need to to buy in more." to what this program was before they got here 
so that they could move forward. And somewhere along the line, every coach, every program, as they're building it back up, like Michael Shrewsbury is, they're going to go through a game like the Citadel. So Notre Dame had it. They got through it. They got better because of it. And when there are times where maybe the the North Carolina State game or the Duke game or a game that they feel like they won, that they let get away, you think Micah Shrewsbury is going to go off again? He really hasn't because the buy-in and the care and the want to and and just the compete level has been raised every game since that 20-point loss to the Citadel. I thought you were going to bust out a Slim Shady reference there when you went with "Hi, my name is" there for a second, but uh, especially after all the you know the Lions stuff, oh, yeah. you know, in, in the aftermath of that. But you know that it does feel like that rant has had some impact, though. Like it didn't just fall on on deaf ears and guys, you know, went and hidden in their corners. I mean, they obviously come out. They beat Virginia two games after that. I mean. That's, you know, that, that Virginia program, regardless of what they are this year, which, you know, was still a team with a pretty good winning record at the, t- you know, like that's a team that even Mike Bray's best teams had a hard time with. And so, like, what what do you think ultimately, you know, like, like beating, Vir- not, not just beating Virginia, I guess, but the fact that they have competed in every game really since then as well. What do you think that ultimately means for for where they are right now and maybe where they could be headed that it's another building block like it's not the fact that they beat virginia and, and i mean virginia as, as we've seen is not the virginia right that we, we've come to see the last couple of years but it was the way they beat virginia like they crushed them they kicked their rear ends for 40 minutes up and down the floor they were up 28 at one point they had beaten virginia i think three times before that by a combined score of 18 points they led by 18 or more points the final nine minutes of the second half. So it wasn't the fact that they just won an ACC game. It was the way they won it. Like they turned the screws on Virginia and just kept turning them and kept turning them. They were making shots. They were defending. So that's like that rate helped raise the bar of where this program can go, that they the, the players can look at it and say, if we buy into what coach is selling, if we stick together, if we compete and play together, and really just just care about one another. Like before, like the Citadel game, there were games before that where it looked like it was just five guys thrown together off the street that had never played a, a game together. And I yeah. think that's 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 the that's the problem that you get when you have so many new guys. When we talked about in, in previous years how important, and you and I talked about it in the summertime all the time on the radio, how important the summer program was for this team because it wasn't about X and O, X and O's and defensive slide drills. It was about just putting 10 guys in a gym and going and playing pickup for two hours and just getting to know each other. So I think the way they played against Virginia, they can point to that and say, it's we're struggling now. We're seven and 10. We're two and four. We've got to play this game against Boston College. But if we do the things that we did against Virginia, there's not a team yet in this league that they've proven they can't compete against. Now to beat them, that's going to take a few more wins and uh, to, to get this team more confident that they can really have success, not only what's left of this year, but into the, the, the future with Micah. And Micah Shrewsbury's son, Braden, named ACC Rookie of the Week today, hit seven three-pointers in the two games last week. He's been a bit of a lightning rod, it seems <laughs> like. It's like. You know, it's like he seems to get the most – 
criticism. I'm curious. You know, he obviously has the same last name as the head coach. He is the coach's son. I'm I'm curious because of all these things that we're talking about, the unique nature of this team and the fact that it was basically thrown together, you know, in late in the summer before, you know, the, the, the season, you know, was just before the school year was Mm -hmm. getting started. Do you think that, you know, if his name is Braden Jones instead of Braden Shrewsbury, is he getting anywhere near the criticism that he gets? Not a chance because fans are lazy. Fans are uninformed. Fans just don't know. And yeah, that's going to, that's not going to rub a lot of people the right way, but it's not supposed to, because I think they look at the last name and they look at the minutes and they need, when, when, when they lose to Auburn by 20 and they lose to the Citadel and they lose to Marquette, fans are pissed. Like I, I, I get it. I understand. They're not happy at the, at the product. They're not happy at the program, but that doesn't mean that you can just point to one kid and say, he's the reason that they're losing. He right. doesn't deserve to be on scholarship. He's playing his kid too much. Look, people, if you look at the roster, there's not a lot of choices. That's, like if yeah. you're going to bench, if you're going to bench that Braden, coming into the season, you know, right. If you're going to bench Braden Shrewsbury, who are you going to play? Alex Wade? Like, and Mike had talked about this the other day when we met with him at Rolfs. Like he said, Braden Shrewsbury is a three-pointer, a three-point shooter. The fact that he's a three-point shooter helps with the spacing and yeah. the flow and everything they want to do offensively. Because yeah, the the, the 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 fan comment next time next would be, well, he doesn't make a lot of three-pointers. Just the fact that he's a three-point shooter that goes on the scouting report that says, do not leave number eleven alone. Has to and be accounted for. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you don't leave if you don't leave eleven. That allows Marcus Burton to get in the lane and maybe hit his mid-range jumper, and it opens up shots for other people. So it's just not the fact that that Braden Shrewsbury is the coach's kid. It's the fact that he's a shooter. He follows his assignment, and Micah Shrewsbury has been upfront and has said, if you don't do your job, you're not going to play. People are going to say, well, what's he doing? Well, what's he going to do about his kid? Why is he doing it with his kid? Braden Shrewsbury was a starter at the beginning of the season. Braden Shrewsbury is not a starter right now. Yeah, he hasn't been since Tay. Da- like he may start tonight because Tay Davis may not play because of an ankle injury. But the first major move that Micah Shrewsbury made with his rotation was he benched his kid. His kid was playing thirty-three minutes a game as a starter. As a reserve, he's playing twenty-three. So to say that Micah Shrewsbury plays favorites with Braden that he doesn't deserve to be on the court. That's just nonsense. Now, maybe later on down the line, if this thing goes the direction everybody believes it's going to go, as far as success, as far as recruiting, as far as talent development, maybe Braden Shrewsbury's better served as a guy who's an eighth or a ninth man on the roster because there's so much talent in front of him. But right now, like Braden Shrewsbury doesn't deserve to play. Where, do they, where are they in Atlanta if Brian Shrewsbury doesn't drop, drop 25 exactly. and make some really big shots against Georgia Tech? They may only have one league win. And I think that that had to be a good sign for this team as well, to be able to go on the road and pull out an overtime game mm-hmm. like that, you know, down there at Georgia Tech, don't you? Uh, yeah, and just the way they played, like it's the flip side of Virginia. Like they, they crushed Virginia because they just did everything right. Against Georgia Tech, they had like, eight, nine different scenarios where they could just look at it and say, 
I don't think we're going to get this one tonight. You know, we made a good run. We were up. They came back. They hit a, a big three to, to send it to overtime. They could have been feeling sorry for themselves. But the one aspect of this, this program that you really admire, Sean, is their resiliency. Like, they're going to get punched in the face. They're going to get smacked around. But the next game, they're going to come back or the next possession or the next half, they're going to come back and still compete. And they did that in Atlanta. And, again, that's another building block. That's something that Micah Shrewsbury and his staff can point to and said and say, remember when we did this in Atlanta? Like before the Virginia game, there was never anything that Micah or his staff can show Notre Dame on the, the players on film and say, remember when we did this? Remember when we ran this set? Look at the success that we had. We won this game. Now they 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 finally have some reference points, and that's really key for them to move forward because they can they can remember back and say, we did it then, let's do it now. Did you think that they would be getting this much out of Marcus Burton this early? I was kind of – and now this is going to sound funny, but I was kind of afraid that this was the direction it was going to go with Marcus Burton because there's nobody else that can do anything close to what Marcus is doing right now. He's the only double-figure scorer on the team. I think he still remains the top-scoring freshman in the ACC. He's the top scorer. He's the top assist guy. He's among the leaders in minutes. He's among the leaders in free throw percentage. I think he's doing way too much, but he has to. Like This is the, this is the position that this program is in, for better or for worse. And it's, sometimes I think it's for worse. <laughs> but there's just no other option. Like yeah. when I sat with Micah Shrewsbury in May, I said, don't you have to go out into the transfer portal and find an experienced ball handler and a score and a guy that can just go and get you a bucket when you need a bucket? And he agreed. He said, that's our goal. We're, we're still working for toward that. Summer school was starting in like three weeks. He said, if we don't get him here before summer school, that's good. Just as long as, you know, we're, that's okay. Just as long as we get him here for the start of the fall semester. So they planned on getting an experienced veteran guard to help with the heavy lifting. They couldn't get him for whatever reason. Marcus is doing so much and he's playing so many minutes and he's been asked to do so many different things. I wonder how this guy's going to have anything left in his tank in February. Yeah, no kidding. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Andy Saylor has a question for you. Tom, can this team get to 500 or close to it in ACC play? If they can, I'm going if I if I say yes that they can, I'm going out and playing the lottery tonight. <laughs> Cuz I there there look, it it's it's in my best interest, it's in my company's best interest, it's in our websites and our newspapers best interest for Notre Dame to have as successful a season as possible to build the interest, to keep the interest, to have the fan interest. But I just don't see any way this team gets to 10 and 10 this year. And that's not a knock on the program or Micah or his staff. 
or even the players right now because they're maxing out right now. They're two and four, and they're maxing out everything they're, that they have at their disposal in being able to almost beat North Carolina State, almost beat Duke, and almost beat Florida State. But to say this team's going to go, what, eight and six the rest of the way, given what's coming down the pike as far as road games, as far as opponents, I would be, if I'm Micah Shrewsbury, now he's not going to be happy because, he, like we said, he hates to lose. But if I'm Micah Shrewsbury and I can figure out a way to get to 6-14 and 14 in the conference, I would call it a successful year because that doubles the win the, the win total from last year in the ACC Which when they went 3-17. and 17. Yeah. So to go 6-14, and 14, I, may, I may vote Micah Shrewsbury ACC Coach of the Year at the end of the season. <laughs> I so, mean, but, is the ceiling, you know, just to – to be able to continue this level of play, even if they're going to, you know, take some of these hard lump losses, because that is tough. You know, when you like, especially like to me, it's, it's tougher if you plug away and you're losing these, mm -hmm. you know, two or three possession games rather than just going out there and getting your butt kicked on a given night. Well, I think that's, it's tough. It's tough from a psyche standpoint, especially right. with 17, 18, 19 year old kids who need to know that they're good and, they need to see the progress. I would right. much rather have Notre Dame play the games that they're playing right now with Micah in his first year where they're almost going to beat NC State or almost going to beat Duke or almost beat Florida State instead of what happened last year down in Louisville like under Kenny Payne where they went 2-18 and 18 and there was no chance yeah. that they were going to win an ACC game. Like They were down 30 almost every single game, and I, I think to – to be in that position for such a young team that Notre Dame has, that that would be that would just be a soul crusher to say uh, to to be like, okay, well we're, we've got to play North Carolina still, we've got to play Clemson. Well, why are we going to do that when we're just going to be down 25, 30 points? So for for them to have a chance, I think is a real positive, and that's what Mike and his staff have to keep stressing to them. Like, look, we're in every game. If we keep doing what we're doing, it's going to turn eventually for them. I think it will. I think that's a lot easier to build what he wants to build than what Kenny Payne's doing and was getting run out of the gym last year by 30. I read the uh, Q&A, the interview that you had with Mike Bray here, I guess, what, a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. at this point. Was that did, – did you do that on the phone? You weren't You weren't in the same room with him, right? I was. Oh, you were? So Absolutely. So where where you did you see. meet up with Mike Bray? I'm trying to remember because, again, it's been a couple of weeks. Where right. did you meet up with him and, and kind of give us some insight into how that all went and how it came out? All right. Out. Well, here's here's how the sausage is made from my end, Sean. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go through how the You love talking out. about the sausage. Let's get the sausage, baby. Absolutely. So <laughs> eventually when, when the Notre Dame men's basketball schedule came out, I looked and the first game I looked at was when they were in Atlanta because Mike Bray is an assistant coach with the Atlanta Hawks. I, I wanted to make sure hopefully they would match up with a home game. Uh, with the Hawks when George, when they Notre Dame played at Georgia Tech. As it turned out, it did. So the original plan was I was going to go down last week to Atlanta, cover the Notre Dame men's basketball game at Georgia Tech at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night, and then spend most of or most of Wednesday with Mike Bray as he helped the Hawks prepare during their shoot-around with the Philadelphia 76ers, then get uh, a credential and, and hang out and watch Mike Bray work as a member of the Hawks coaching staff. Long story short, when when they're losing the way they lost earlier 
in league play, I started thinking, you know what, if this keeps going the way it's going, my company's going to say, yeah, let's, let's pass on that trip and save that trip in our back pocket for when they start getting good, maybe, maybe go to the ACC tournament. So then I looked again at the Hawks schedule. I saw that they were in Chicago on Christmas night. They flew in Christmas night. They were going to play the, the the Bulls at United Center on December 26th. I texted Mike Bray. I said, if you have any time on Wednesday, on Tuesday, I don't know what your schedule's like now. I said, I'd love to just drive in, spend a couple hours with you. Texted me back about an hour later and said, let's meet for lunch at the team hotel on Michigan Avenue about 1 o'clock on, on Tuesday. So I got there and I spent a couple hours with him, sat and talked. And, and the minute he walked into the restaurant, you could tell that he's a totally different guy than what he was toward the end of last season when everything was coming his direction. He's fresher. He's reinvigorated. The game is now the game for him. I think it was too much of a burden for so many reasons while he was up here last year. Yeah. And he's like, look, it's January. There are going to be guys that are going to be talking about me coming back to college, taking this job or that job, or maybe being a candidate for this job. I've got no desire to do that right now. I like where I'm at. He's got a three-year contract with the Hawks. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, that's – to me, it's perfect for someone, you know, like in his age demographic, you know, he's in his 60s. Just like you said, there's there's much less pressure, I think, in that position than than what he was dealing with, especially last year as, as a head coach trying to run a program, you know, face the program and just everything else. He doesn't even, John, he doesn't even sit on the bench. He's a, he's a, he's a second, he's second row Mike. He sits behind the bench. He doesn't have to do media. He doesn't have to do post, uh, post game stuff. He yeah. doesn't have to recruit. He's just, he just sits there and Quinn, Quinn Snyder. <laughs> yeah. Quinn Snyder calls him his sage. Like he's just, he's the old guy sitting behind the bench, making a really nice paycheck and, and offering his thoughts on let's do this or let's do that. Like, and, and, and when they were deciding this, Mike Bray told Quinn Snyder, he said, look, I've been an assistant coach twice in my life. I was an assistant coach for Mike Krzyzewski, and I was assistant coach for Morgan Wooten, two Hall of Fame guys. He's like, I know how to do this dance. Right. Like, I'm not going to be sitting there pulling my hair out, wondering what I'm doing with myself. I know right. He knows how to be an assistant. He's in a great position. He really want. I think he really wanted to take that South Florida job in March in part because when the season ended and his career basically ended at Notre Dame, he had no idea what the hell he was going to do with himself. And he's like, maybe I'll take the USF job and it'll be great. My grandsons will come up to Tampa. They'll be ball boys at, at games. And hell, if it doesn't go my way, I'll get fired in two years. And I'm okay with that. But then he started thinking, do I really want to take a job and, and get fired in two years, even though I'll still be in Florida? He said, I can't take a job based on those credentials. So yeah. That's why, that's why he's not a head coach. And he has said, now it may change as, as we move forward, but he has said he has no desire to ever go back to college, especially somewhere that's not 75 and sunny every single day <laughs> and, and do the dance that he did at Notre Dame for 23 years. Yeah, I bet. Bray's Beach, that's where he's, yeah. that's where he's heading next. Tommy Guns wants to know if this current team is overachieving, underachieving, or just about where you would have expected at this point in the season. It's easy to say, well, yeah, they're right where we expected them, but we had zero expectations. Like the, that's what makes this again. so fascinating. You sit down to cover another day men's basketball game. You have no idea 
you have no idea what you're going to see on a night. Blank slate basis. every night. <laughs> it's an absolute blank slate. Like, how is this thing going to go? Who's going to make shots? Who's in the rotation? Who's going to give a double? Like, Jared Kinesny, is he going to have a double-double tonight? Or is he going to have five turnovers like he had the other night against Florida State? You have no idea. So I, I think they're in some ways they're right where they 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 should be. It's so hard to say, or, or it, they, it's right where they should be, or maybe even a little overachieving. Achieving. It's so hard when they lost ninety eight percent of their scoring and ninety eight percent of their rebounding and a hundred percent of their starts to say that this team is underachieving because this team had absolutely nothing going into this season. Tom Noy, I'm going to let you go. I got to go to work. I got to write. That's right. Go do some uh, Go do some basketball. Notre Dame, Boston College tonight. Thanks for making time for us tonight, Tom. You got it, brother. Take care, Sean. Okay, you too. See you later. Okay, so that is the one and only Tom Noy covering Notre Dame men's basketball like he has forever and ever. 